Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. We're talking about this morning the infilling encounter. We are talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is such a thing, in case you didn't know it or in case you may have thought that these type of things are just for what is called the church age, I just want to tell you something we are in right now, the church age. <laughs> the church age has never stopped. And you might think, well, I don't know about, you know, there's a baptism, there's water baptism, but you're given the Holy Spirit when you give your life to the Lord. It is true. But we're going to see in the Bible, remember this book that is the inspired word of God, that there is such a thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But then we're also going to talk about how we have made it so complicated. You know, as Christians, sometimes we have made the, the, the doctrine, if you will, of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues more complicated than what we're supposed to do with coronavirus. And that's complicated, in case you didn't know. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask, you can go out, don't go out. How many people, what can you do, up, down, help old people, don't help old people. It can kill you, but it's uh, not that dangerous. We, there's been so much stuff, and we have made this doctrine of the Holy Spirit that complicated. And it really isn't. It really isn't because the Bible is very clear on a lot of things. Amen. So look at Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to look at verse 10. I'm going to read out of a couple different versions. Matthew chapter 3 verse 10. And I'm looking first at the New King James Version, which is my personal base version. It doesn't have to be yours. It's just mine. You may be a King James person or you may be an NIV person or whatever it may be. But we'll start here in the New King James. And the Bible says, and even now, this is John the Baptist talking, the axe is laid upon the root of the trees laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit. You know, one of the things, I know I'm reading along here, but I just want to emphasize again this word and these words that God uses. He uses words like all and every. Okay, don't, don't let that pass you by. He says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he, talking about Jesus, who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The message version put it this way. It says, I'm baptizing you here in the river. Turning your old life in for a kingdom life. The real action comes next. The main character in this drama, compared to him, I'm merely a stagehand, will ignite the kingdom life within you, a fire within you, a Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house. Come on, we heard a testimony this morning. Make a clean sweep of your lives. 
He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false, he'll put out with the trash to be burned with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Flip over to Acts, would you? Just a couple chapters over, a couple, a couple of books over, if you will. A few books over to Acts chapter 1. Most of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture. One, look at verses 4 and 5 in the book of Acts. It says in verse 4, And being assembled together, this is on the day of Pentecost, with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. He's speaking of this day of Pentecost that is coming. He said, Which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water. We just heard John say this. For John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So we have a couple of instances here where, where John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but he who is coming will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then Jesus himself, once he was resurrected, said, go to Jerusalem and wait there because you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized. Now let's just define this word baptize. We usually speak of it when we're talking about baptism of water. And uh, we are able to accept the fact, I believe, most of us, that the word baptism comes from a Greek word, baptizo or baptismo, that means to bury. So that if you're sprinkled with water, it's an oxymoron to say that you were baptized. It because Just by definition, not by anything spooky, just by definition of the word. The word defined means to bury, so if you are sprinkled, it'd be like saying, I, I, I laid his body on the table, I buried him up on the table. Well, you can't bury, you either lay him up on the table or you bury them beneath something. So it, it means to bury. And so when you're baptized by the Holy Spirit, you are immersed. You are immersed in the Holy Spirit. This is a different event than what happens when you are saved. Let me just throw some other scriptures at you. You don't have to turn there. I mean, you could write them down. I'm just going to go. I have a lot of scripture here. I'm going to go through it as quickly as I can. Acts chapter 2 verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Over in Acts chapter 19, it says, And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Acts 9, 17, I'm, I'm going to read this from the message version. It's saying, so Ananias went and found the house, placed his hands on blind Saul, because we just read this in our series on, on Paul. It said, Brother Saul, the master sent me, the same Jesus you saw on your way here. He sent me so that you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then over in Ephesians 5.18, stop getting drunk with wine, which leads to wild living, but keep on being filled with the Spirit. I want you to remember that verse. Stop getting drunk with wine, but instead of that, keep on being filled, immersed. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we talked last week about how 
there's an intentional encounter. This morning we're talking about the infilling encounter, but we talked about how you have to be intentional with the Holy Spirit. You make a decision, ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay, the fullness of the Spirit. Now this is what we're talking about today, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It's a separate and distinct work of the Holy Spirit with its own distinct purposes and effects. When a non-believer hears the message of the gospel and chooses to believe Jesus and receive salvation, it is true the Holy Spirit does come to live inside you. But then the Bible talks about, and we just saw it very clearly, that there is another event that can happen when the Holy Spirit comes on you and baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. Now it's important that I was talking last week about how we, we sometimes look at the Holy Spirit as a side item. We won't say that out loud and we won't admit it, but you know, it's important that we are disciples of Christ. It's important that we live our lives for Jesus. And if we get the Holy Spirit, or we should follow the Holy Spirit, uh, but it's a kind of a, a thing that if we don't, we just need to maybe get back on track. It, you know, almost as if it's not a necessity. But I'm here to tell you this morning that if you're going to live the life that Christ called you to, you must have the Holy Spirit. You must desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God called for it. We can't pick and choose in Scripture which ones we want to follow and which ones we don't. We can't pick and choose. We, just because it seems scary, the only reason why it seems, I can tell you, to, really the only reason it seems scary to you is because other Christians have made it scary and weird. And I want to tell you something as Christians, please don't be offended. But as Christians, we are weird enough without making it more weird. <laughs> We're already weird. <laughs> to, to, I mean, the things that we do, the kingdom life, come on, give and it shall be given to you, to a, to a person in the world, that's weird. We're already weird enough without us putting our flesh in it and making it even more weird, okay? And when we get to the end here, we're going to talk about why it's so important not to be weird. Why it's so important. But why we need to be spiritual. There is a Holy Spirit. There is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. We do follow the Holy Spirit. He doesn't show us everything often at once. Often he'll ask us to go, just like he did Abraham, and I'll show you the place, but I want you to step out on faith because we walk by faith, not by sight. So there is a Holy Spirit. We just don't need to add our weirdness to it. We just don't need to add our weirdness to it. So why? Because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you receive full anointing. Let me just talk for just a moment about anointing. <laughs> anointing. We use that word as if it's talent. We really do. We use it like it's a gift. I have. If I see somebody get up and they can sing and they hit all the notes and it really touches my heart, the first thing I think is that person is so anointed. And guess what? They very well may be. It's just that the anointing does not equate to the gift. The anointing simply equates to the Holy Spirit. You think the anointing is weird. What? The anointing. How do I get anointed? Lord, anoint me. Do something weird and anoint me. No, he just fills you with the Holy Spirit. The anointing is just the purpose of the Holy Spirit working through you. That's what anointing is. When God anoints you, he fills you with the Holy Spirit. He gives you the power. 
He gives you the purpose and it goes right through you and you, you complete whatever that purpose is under the power of the Holy Spirit. You're anointed to do it. It's different than gifts. Gifts are different. But so you receive full anointing. And why is that important? By the way, the anointing is important because, listen, two people can do the exact same thing. And it could be for God. They could do a, a good thing, a good act, a good deed. But one, do you know that one person can be anointed and another person cannot? And the results may even be the same. But when you stand before God, you're going to have to answer for what he told you to do and what you did that he didn't tell you to do. That's the difference. And what God tells you to do, see, he sees everything. He sees the end. So it's important for us to be anointed and follow the spirit of God. And then you receive empowerment. When you're anointed, you have the power. Just by God telling you, when he told Pete, when Peter said, can I come? Can I come? You're walking on the water. Can I come? Jesus said, come. When he said those words, he sent anointing to Peter. He gave him the power. He, when Jesus gives you a word, it connotes. It, there's a, it undergird, the power undergirds the word that he gave to you. And so it, it implies the power is there implied in when he gave you the word. And that the power is that Holy Spirit. And so you can do exactly what he called you to do because you have the power to do it. You also receive an outpouring. What do I mean by outpouring? What do I mean by that? I don't mean that it's just poured out on you. But look at Acts 1.8. It says, chapter 1, verse 8, remember this, but you shall receive power. Remember that? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That means when you're filled, you're able to now pour it out. Acts 10.44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was in Peter. I, I've said this before, and you know it. You can't even witness properly without the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And so that's the outpouring. You receive a proper outpouring. Now, all of a sudden, it's not just about arguing and debating with people or an atheist or an agnostic over the things of God. But the Holy Spirit will say what the Holy Spirit needs to say to plant seeds. And it's not on you to convince them. There's an outpouring that happens. And this comes by receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And very often, baptism and infilling sometimes are used, uh, you know, interchangeably. And it's just, it means it's just, uh, here, here's what Jack Hayford said about it. He said, to be filled with the Spirit is an expansion of our capacity for worshiping. An extension for, of our dynamic for witnessing and an expulsion of the adversary through our spiritual warfare. So when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the anointing, you have the power, you have the ability for outpouring because you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And every believer is a candidate for baptism of the Holy Spirit. Every believer can, can be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Every believer, every believer. There's a definite encounter that happens. There's an encounter. 
You know, the, 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 the infilling of the Holy Spirit, it's a definite encounter, a specific time when you have a distinct experience. I just define it this way. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is a specific, identifiable experience after salvation that marks the beginning of a life vitally connected to the Holy Spirit. The effects are immediate and ongoing. Now, you don't have to memorize that. The Holy Spirit will bring it back to your memory. The effects are immediate and ongoing. It's almost like, yes, you are saved. Yes, you are going to heaven. We're going to look at that a little bit later, just a moment as well. Yes, you are saved. Yes, you are going to heaven. But God didn't save you to immediately go to heaven. Not you who are sitting here or you be there. You, there must be something for you to still do here on earth to live a life, an overcoming life. And that life is to be lived with the Spirit. I, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But the letter of the law kills. The Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. And so it there are things that happen immediately. Let me just give you a few things that happen immediately. The immediate effects of this infilling encounter. All right. First of all, a new reality of Jesus, a new love, a new, a new passion, a new desire for more of Jesus. It's almost like you fall in love with God all over again. He can't love you any more than he does now. And I don't know that you can love God anymore, but I don't know if, you're, if you've ever been married or you've had, uh, you know, a best friend and, you know, you've been together a long time. And all of a sudden one day it's almost like you just fall in love with them all over again. This is almost what God does for you. Uh, it's, there's a new level of spiritual sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's voice, the Holy Spirit's desires and gifts. There's a new level of spiritual sensitivity. Remember last week we were talking about when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're able to almost see around corners. You can, you can see what's coming. You can see what's happening. He gives you vision. The Holy Spirit illuminates things. That's the third one, a new illumination of God, a new hunger, new eyes. Come on. And then a new sense of holiness and purity. And this is not, listen, this is what we're going to talk about here. It's, it's not because you yourself are holy. The only reason why you're holy is because you have the Holy Spirit. You want to know how to be holy? You can't dress holy. You, you can't talk holy. I mean, you can try all of those things. I'm, I'm debating whether to... I, I'll just go ahead and say, for me, I'm just, I'm just going to say something for me personally. There are times in my life and in my marriage with my wife that my wife will say to me, how in the world are you a pastor? Why are you a pastor? Because there are things about church that just don't line up with the word. And, but, and it's not so much, I'm not just complaining about the way we are and the way people are, but it's that we think these things make us holy. And it turns off unbelievers, guys. It turns unbelievers off when there are things that we do and say that we think make us holy. I'm not even saying we shouldn't think and do them. But what I am saying is just don't think it makes you more holy or more spiritual. That's all I'm saying. I mean, we're going to follow God or we're going to follow tradition. Come on. You know what? When Jesus came... And I don't know anybody more spiritual than Jesus. Maybe you do. I don't know. But when Jesus came, he dogged 
this, the religious leaders, those who were caught up in tradition and held on to tradition. He dogged those guys. So <laughs> the Holy Spirit it gives us a new power to share Christ, to witness. We talked about that. A new power to live in the Spirit and develop the fruit of the Spirit. And then, yes, a new prayer language. Why don't we just for these last few minutes park here on this prayer language? I know this is what we get into. We get into the prayer language. We get into tongues. Speak in tongues. We read a couple scriptures that, when the, that said when the Holy Spirit fell, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. We just saw that. And then also, in my estimation, what I've read in the Bible and, and, and the book of Acts, I didn't see any finality at the end of the book of Acts where it said, and now uh, here's the last part of Acts, and now this is done. Let's move on to something new. I, I, don't, I didn't see that in Acts. Uh, what's the last chapter? Acts 28. And we go to the end here. I'm just looking for the finality part. It just said, the last verse just says, talking about Paul preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Then it goes to Romans. I don't see where it said everything stopped. So I'm not sure how we can say that speaking in tongues and healing and uh, deliverance and all of that was for the Bible days. Remember, this right here is a Bible. All I can do is go out of the Bible. I don't know where you're getting that from. I'm just looking at the Bible. If you're going to make up something else and make up your own doctrine, then you can go over and do that. But if we're going to talk about the Bible, let's just talk about what's in the Bible. It never stopped. It's still going on. He didn't say stop. So why do we stop? Why do we stop? It's a lie. It is a lie. It's a lie of the devil. And it's to keep you in bondage. It's to keep you so you won't get healed. It's to keep you so you won't prosper. Come on, it's to keep you so you won't live the abundant life. It's a lie. <laughs> and so tongues is still for today. But, but here's the thing. Again, I'm balancing all this out because we make it weird. We make it weird. Now I know my wife, she's talking to me yesterday. We make it weird. <laughs> the Bible speaks about two types of speaking in tongues. Remember, I'm just talking about the Bible. This is not Michael. This is the Bible. The Bible talks about two, two uh, types of speaking in tongues. One type, speaking in tongues that other people, other people in other languages understand what you're saying. You agree with that? Because this happened on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell, they began, and it came like fire, remember? Fire to burn some stuff out. And uh, they were filled. They started speaking in tongues. And people, uh, Jews and others, people of other languages begin to say, what is going on here? I hear them in my language, but I know they don't speak my language. So those are earthly tongues. One way. The other type is, the, is speaking in an unknown tongue that the Bible talks about. And it's a gift of God. 1 Corinthians 14.2. I got to give you scripture. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. Now, to me, that's an unknown tongue. It said no one understands him. Okay? No one understands him. All right? However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So that is the unknown tongue. Now, let's just take a, a closer look here at this at these tongues. I just want to tell you, I just want to finish up here with five things about tongues. 
Five things about tongues. And here's the part where I, you may not agree with everything, but here's what I encourage you to do as a pastor and hopefully as your pastor. Here's what I encourage you to do. Be like the Bereans. Don't take my word for anything. Just love me. Believe that I love you. And I want to give you only what's in the Bible and not my personal feelings. Believe that, okay? But then go back and look at Scripture yourself. Look at it yourself. That, if I can encourage you to do that, then I've done my job as a pastor. I've done my job, okay? Look at it yourself. So the first thing we know that there is there are tongues when, uh, when the Holy Spirit falls upon you. But then also tongues are a gift of God. Let's just look. Is it? Really? Let's look. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, Paul here is, he does a lot here to correct the Corinthians. <laughs> but the Corinthians were also very spiritual. But the Corinthians were also very carnal. <laughs> Corinthians were both. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, he says, Now concerning spiritual, what's this word? Gifts, brethren. I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be ignorant. Hop down to verse 4. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of gifts. Hop down to verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So, the question then becomes, can everyone speak in tongues? Here's what I'm going to say to you about speaking in tongues and can everyone speak in tongues. I believe that if you ask the Lord for the gift, it is then up to you and God if God gives you the gift of speaking in tongues. And here's why I say that. I, I speak in tongues. And I know Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. I can't make that claim, but I, I can speak in tongues. I don't, and just because of the Holy Spirit, not because of me. I absolutely speak in tongues. I desired that gift. God gave it to me. And who's to say he would not do the same for you? But here's what I would tell you, Christians who speak in tongues. If you encounter someone who doesn't speak in tongues, and even if they desire to and they don't, do not please condemn them for not speaking in tongues and not having that gift. It's separate from salvation, number one. And you can, if you want to minister to them about it and give them scriptures about, hey, if you desire it with God, listen, you know what? A lot of people use this scripture and they confuse it with tongues, though it relates. If, if your father who is earthly uh, would, uh, if you ask him for something, I'm paraphrasing very badly. If you ask him for something, would he give you a snake? No. Well, how much more? Would your heavenly father, if you ask, give you the Holy Spirit? He said the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Now there, I'm just looking at the Bible. I'm not saying he is or I'm not saying he's not. All I'm telling you is the Bible didn't say the, the speaking in tongues. I'm just telling you what the Bible said. It says he will give you the Holy Spirit. Now if you believe that means 
along with speaking in tongues. If you, if you believe in initial evidence, there is an argument to be made for initial evidence. We just saw scriptures when, uh, the, when it landed, uh, the Holy Spirit landed on people, they began to speak in tongues. That's the only thing you can use for initial evidence, and that is okay. Nothing absolutely wrong with that. But there are, there's, there's a way to know, and I'm going to talk about this, there's a way to know if you really have the Holy Spirit and it's not speaking in tongues. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Let me just get there. Let me just get there. But this is a gift of God. Some people would even go as far to say that you don't get into heaven and you're not saved unless you speak in tongues. And can I just tell you that? I know. I have, I have a good friend. I hope he doesn't watch this because he's a good, good friend of mine. I, I, it's a lie. It's not in the Bible. There's only one way to be saved. For by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. I'm not telling you not to speak in tongues, folks. I'm just talking about how weird we are. That's all I'm talking about. Romans 10 and 9 says that if you, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It doesn't say anything about the requirement of speaking in tongues to get into heaven. So just don't let, and I'm like, again, please understand, I'm not telling you not to speak in tongues. I do, and I wish everybody did. It's a heavenly language between you and God. All I'm saying is we just need to do it biblically. And we don't need to condemn people who can't speak in tongues or don't speak in tongues for whatever reason, uh, that they're not going to heaven. I'm just talking practically now. Come on. Because, our, our, listen, God wants us to bring people into the kingdom. And sometimes Christians do more to shove people away than they do to bring them in. With our weirdness. Okay, I'll stop saying we're weird. I'll stop saying it. You're not weird. Maybe I'm just weird. I know I'm acting weird today, I'm sure. Another thing. When you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does come upon you. Okay, Holy Spirit comes upon you. So first of all, it's a gift of God. But secondly, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. But I just want to tell you something. It doesn't mean that you go out of your mind and go crazy and start frothing at the mouth. Hey, listen, if the Holy Spirit ever does that and the Holy Spirit does it, then that's great. That's the Holy Spirit doing it to you. But that's not a sign that you're receiving the Holy Spirit. You want to know how you know that you have the Holy Spirit? Right here. How, because how is a tree known? A tree is known by its fruit, not its gifts. A tree is known by its fruit, not its gifts. And this scripture in Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the, what's that word? Spirit. It's a capital S. What, I wonder what spirit it's talking about. The Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, come on, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, hmm, self-control. The Spirit gives self-control. The Spirit gives self-control. I told you all I could do is talk out of the Bible. I, I don't know where else we can talk from, but we're, we're talking from the Bible. Against such, there is no law. So who's to say, though, if you see someone, quote, unquote, slain in the spirit, falling out, going crazy, do you, only the spirit can judge. If you have the Holy Spirit, maybe God will tell you that that is the Holy Spirit. I don't know. But I'm just telling you, what I'm saying is it's not a requirement to know that you have the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm telling you. So stop being weird. 
to whoever's being weird. We're not weird here, but somebody's weird. But we do have the Holy Spirit. And it is our desire as a church to move in the gifts of the Spirit. I want to see people healed. Not just I want to see it. God wants to see in this church people healed, people delivered from all kinds of those things that so easily beset us. I mean, I'm talking about all of it. Pornography. I'm talking about everything. Uh, attitudes, whatever it may be. We need to be delivered. We need to be healed. And we're going to do a, a series very shortly coming on biblical money management. We need to be prosperous. Come on, I know Jesus said the poor will be with you always, but I don't mean it has to be you. He said, I come that you might have life and that more abundantly. And, and, and it's not God's fault that we mess up our money. There's a way to do it. There's biblical money management. And God's going to show us how to do that. We're going to have a, I think it's a seven-week series on that. So please don't miss that. Don't miss it. So you're not out of your mind. There, you do have self-control. And then number three, and here's a big one. Here's a big one. Please, if you don't get anything else, get this one, guys. If you are going to, if you have the gift of speaking in tongues, remember we read that uh, the gift of speaking in tongues in, I believe, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it talked about how um, you don't speak to men, but you speak to God. When you speak in tongues, it's between you and God. Between you and God. If there is a tongue, that is given in a church service like this. If someone were to stand up and give a tongue, that's okay, it happens, but there must be an interpretation. I told you, all we can do is go by the Bible. I'm not making it up. 1 Corinthians 14, 27, 28. If anyone, how many people's left out of anyone? That means if bishop, if the cardinal, the, the, the whoever, the cherubim, whatever, if anyone speaks in a tongue, whatever people call themselves these days, if anyone speaks in a tongue, I don't care who you are, let there be two or at the most three, ooh, each in turn. Take your turn. Don't just start talking all over each other. Each in turn and let one interpret. But watch this now. If there is no interpreter, no interpreter, let him keep silent in church. And let him speak to himself and God. It doesn't say don't speak in tongues. It just says let you speak to yourself and God. So yes, we can be in a prayer service. People can speak in tongues. Speak to yourself and God. If there is an interpreter, yes, then you, are, you may, if the, as the Holy Spirit leads you, speak out and give a word of prophecy. You may do that. But there must be interpretation when that happens. If there's something for all to hear, there has to be an interpretation. And then next, that you are not more spiritual because you speak in tongues. It doesn't make you more spiritual. It doesn't make you more spiritual. Look at what Paul told the Corinthians. I'm, I'm still over in chapter 14. By the way, let me give you just a little backdrop here. The Corinthians were folks who had the church. They were excited about God. Come on. It's just that they were still carnal and still babies. But they still, they loved God. And they, but they started arguing about who led them to Christ. Well, Paul led me. Well, Apollos led me. And they started fussing about that. And they began to think that they were more spiritual because of the gifts that they were moving in. But here's what Paul said about them in 14, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18. He said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, watch this now. I would rather speak five words with my understanding than 10,000 
in tongues. Why? So that I may teach. And so that people will understand. I want people to go away with an understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. So get wisdom. But in all you're getting, get understanding. It's in Proverbs. In all you're getting, get understanding. Understand the why. Understand the why. The, the Corinthians, they were arguing with each other, right? They boasted about, uh, you know, who converted them. Paul, in, in, in chapter 3, Paul tells them that they are still carnal Christians, yet they moved in the gifts of the Spirit. So they moved in the gifts. They had the gift of speaking in tongues. They had tongues. That just that didn't mean they were more spiritual. That's all I'm saying. That didn't mean they were more spiritual. But Paul does say in another scripture to desire the gifts, to desire it. Yes, yeah, so we should go after it. I'm just trying to correct some things about our mindset about it. You know what this really boils down to? And I only have one more. What this really boils down to is just understanding that God is more important than you. Really, at a base level, it's really just understanding God is more important than you and he knows how to do it and you don't. And I don't. That's, that's really what it is. Because there's things that we grab a hold of and then we begin to elevate those things to a level that God never meant to elevate them to. He gives us example of things. He gives us examples of things, earthly examples, to show us a spiritual truth. And we so hold on to the earthly example that that thing becomes more important than the spiritual truth that God is trying to show us. And he's trying to show us. So the last one is, understand this, demons can duplicate or imitate the gifts of God. Your enemy and, and, and demons, they can af absolutely duplicate it. 1 John 4, 1 to 3, he said, John said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this, watch this, this is important. Because we're waiting for this antichrist. And especially, uh, you know, now, uh, with, with everything that's going on, I know that there's a lot of prophecy, and it's good stuff, because we should know about things. We absolutely should. But we can't be deceived as we hear prophecy. Test every spirit. Everything you get through Facebook, come on. Test every spirit by the word of God. Because we're waiting for this antichrist. But the Bible says this is the spirit of the antichrist. Those that don't, that, that say Jesus didn't come in the flesh. Even if they believe that there was a Jesus. But, they, but it's talking about they don't believe he was the Messiah come in the flesh. That is the spirit of the antichrist which you have heard was coming. But it's already in the world. The spirit of the antichrist is already here. I know there's going to rise up one man at some point, and you know that the book of Revelation talks about it, but the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. This is why we have to have the Holy Spirit. This is why we need to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. It just needs to be biblical. We just need to read our Bible. There has to be a balance in your life, folks, of spirit and word. Of spirit and word. I know there are those, I can't tell you, how many churches I've been to, and maybe you as well, 
who uh, just emphasize one thing or another. And they, they emphasize it so much, it's almost like Republicans and Democrats. They won't even come uh, to the middle. You know, it's just the word church. You know, that used to crack me up, and I used to love that term. I'm, I go to a word church. What the heck? Every, what church is not a word church? It should, if it's not, how? Is, it's a church? What? I don't understand that. I go to a word church. Well, I mean, I understand the thought. What they're saying is that they, they really just go by the Bible. But I've been to churches where it's so much uh, only going by the Bible, which you should do, but no room for the Spirit to move. No room for the Spirit at all to move, people to move in the gifts of the Spirit. That's not what I'm talking about here when I talk about God is practical. But then I've been to churches too. I went to one in Mississippi. I won't call it out. That's far as I'll go to tell you it's Mississippi. Okay, I'll tell you it was in Clarksdale. That's far as I'll go. It was in Clarksdale, Mississippi, first time I ever visited this church. And uh, in fact, I was with Pastor Lou and Pastor Blades, uh, Brother Al. We went to another church way out in the woods. And uh, it was just, I don't even think anybody read a scripture. I don't even know who the pastor was. Uh, we just came in and uh, it just, wow, it, just, it, was, it was crazy. And I, I was going, I was like, yes, this is the spirit. But there was never any word. There was not even a word of prophecy. There was nothing said about Jesus. It was just all spirit. <laughs> and so no word at all. And I think we just have to be careful about having a balance. God, God will never do anything in the spirit that contradicts his word. He'll never do anything in the spirit that contradicts his word. He'll do things that you don't understand. He will do things you don't, I, I never saw that. I don't understand it. Yeah, God will do that. You don't understand everything. But I guarantee you, you go back to the word and you study long enough. The, 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 the law, the, 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 the letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. And so God, here's the thing. Here's why. God is building his kingdom, folks. God is building his kingdom. And the way God builds his kingdom is by converting and adding unbelievers. That's how the kingdom grows. I mean, if we're already here, it, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to add more people to our church. And the way we're going to do that is with the people that are already here. How are you going to add people to your church with the people that's already here? God is building his kingdom. He is reaching out to those who don't, who don't believe, all we got to do is not get in the way of that. Let's not get in the way of that. Let's allow that to happen by following the Spirit biblically. 1 Corinthians, last scripture I'll read. 1 Corinthians, uh, still in 14, down in verse 22. It says, therefore, tongues are for a sign. Watch this, please. I didn't put this up on the board, but please listen to this as we close here. Tongues are for a sign. Not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22. But to, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. We should prophesy. That's why if, if there's a word given in a tongue, there should be an interpretation. Because it's prophecy. Prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there comes in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. 
He is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. That's what prophecy does. And so, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. The God's, God wants to build his kingdom. This is where we are. God, is, God does, just doesn't want to build his kingdom. God is building his kingdom. And the way God is doing that is unbelievers changing their heart, converting them to believe, to get a revelation that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And all of these things are helps for that. Let's just not be, and I'm not accusing anyone of anything, <laughs> But I'm just saying, let's not be so selfish that we think everything is about us. I speak in tongues and I am more spiritual and you need to be like me if you want to live a good life. But it's about others and how, what would God do? How would he have us to witness to others? You need the Holy Spirit to do that. You need the Holy Spirit in order to do that.